You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and I've got my co-host, Curtis, here with me today. So once again, help me recap and react to the news and rumors coming out of spring practice. This time, we are looking back at week two of Georgia football's 2022 spring camp. And Curtis, as far as I'm concerned, man, I think there's one obvious place we have to start. Because there was one big report coming out of week two of spring practice that we cannot bury. We can't bury the lead on this one. And I'm fairly certain all of you listening out there have heard this somewhere over the past week. But just in case there's someone that hasn't, maybe around the country and weren't keeping tabs, I don't know. But just in case you haven't heard, there were multiple sources reported last week that both Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift were receiving reps at quarterback with the number one offense, while Stetson Bennett, as we all know, the quarterback who helped lead us to a national championship last season, was spending at least a decent amount of time repping with the third team. And I was actually told directly by a couple of high school coaches that I know that were in Athens for the coaching clinic that it wasn't just kind of like a few random token reps with the ones here and there for for Beck and Vandegrift. They were getting, and here's a quote I got for you, significant, I know it's one word, but that's what I was told, significant reps with the ones over the course of multiple practices. This was not just one random isolated practice. This was over the, the course of a couple of practices last week. So, of course... When these kind of reports and rumors hit social media and get on the message boards, it gets all the the stats and deniers giddy with all the possibilities. But Curtis, I don't know about you, man, but I think we have to be careful with how much stock we put into this and the type of conclusions you draw from this kind of report. I mean, on one hand, you see two guys in Beck and Vandegrift that spent 2021 behind Stetson, but we all know are far more talented, physically speaking. And we're far more highly recruited, which isn't hard because if you were just offered a simple scholarship out of high school, you were more highly recruited by us than Stetson Bennett was. And, and many fans are convinced those two guys will take our offense to the next level, a level in their minds in which Stetson Bennett could never take our offense if they're just given a chance. And so, yeah, I mean, people look at this like, finally, it, it's happening. Or at the very least, they're looking at this as a sign that Kirby Smart is indeed opening up the competition at quarterback. So, Kerr, I'll just put it to you, man. 
What do you make of this quarterback situation? How real is this competition at that position? Um, realistically, in my own opinion, I'm not. I, I'm not really sold that it's a real competition. Um, and my biggest reason, as much as you know, I have been hard on Setson and all these things, and maybe think that maybe talent-wise and things like that, that Brock and maybe Carson may open things up. I still am not sold that it's really a competition. And the fact I say that is because. Once the season starts, I mean, this was one of the biggest things of why people are talking about JT and some of these other guys were never going to get the job once Stetson kind of took over because once the season starts, there's only so many reps that can go around when you really have the practice limit and you're putting so much in-game preparation in there that you can't afford to give these other guys a lot of first-team reps. Well, in the spring, when you're not doing in-game prep and you're kind of trying to see where all these players are, this is the time where you can start giving these guys looks with the first team, which they otherwise wouldn't really get if it was in season prep. Um, and so I think that, I mean, realistically, it, there may be still, I'm not saying there's not a competition, but I don't think it's like where they're very close to beating him out. But the fact is, if he is to be beat out, though, you have to give these guys the same chance that, you know, with first team reps and things like that to make something happen and show that they can do it with the same type players. Because I think in my own opinion, I, if I'm sitting here and I'm, you know, one of these guys trying to compete for that position, I'm going to argue, well, of course he's going to look better in practice. He has all the top receivers. He has a top running back. He has a top offensive line, all these people at his disposal, protecting him and helping him. So if I'm going to have a shot and can really show what I need to do or what I can do, it has to be with against, you know, with the first team leading the first team. Yeah, those are all great points, Curtis. I, I, I'm, I don't know, man. I kind of go back and forth on this because part of me is like, okay, it just doesn't make any sense. This guy is Stetson Bennett, regardless of what the average fan thinks of Stetson Bennett, what really matters is what the coaches think of him. And we know they thought highly of, enough of him last year to stick with him through, I don't want to say necessarily ups and downs, but through especially the Alabama game, the first time around the SEC championship game, when everybody and their brother, including us, Curtis, I'll even throw myself in there, we're calling for Stetson to be replaced to give JT a shot going to that Orange Bowl game. They stuck with this guy. So, I mean, when you look at it, these coaches, I, I have a hard time believing in the way they supported him last year that they're just going to say, you know what, hey, it's a new season. Let's uh, let's go with a different guy. You know, let, let's throw the guy who we won a national championship with. Let's throw him to the side. Because that, that does involve a fair amount of risk, maybe even more of a fair amount of risk. And I just, on one level, I, I have a hard time believing they're going to be willing to do that. But then on the other side, you do have Kirby Smart as your head coach who preaches competition at all positions. Now, there have been some questions in the past about how serious he is about competition at the actual quarterback position, but he preaches that. That is part of the culture that he has established in Athens. And so you think, okay, well, maybe he's being serious. Maybe he is, is applying that same ethos to the most important position on the field. And he's opening it up for these younger guys who are more highly recruited. And I think, as we, as I said earlier, I think it's hard to argue that they're more physically gifted. Of course they are. Open it up for them to maybe have a chance to sneak in here and take this job and to show the coaches something. So it, it's I'm kind of torn between those two extremes. I, I don't know how to look at this. But what I, I will say is it's just I will caution people, as I said, to not draw like definitive conclusions off of a couple of practices during spring practice. As you were alluding to, Curtis, the spring practice is the time for development and for guys who don't get as many reps during the season because when you're in season, you have to – you're game planning, and you cannot afford to yeah. give your know, second and third and fourth string guys really very many, if any, reps 
with the number one offense. Your number two quarterback gets a few reps with the number ones during the season, but number three is not getting any. The number three guy, it, like Brock, like like Vandergriff last year, was running a scout team usually. So they're not getting any reps, and it's hard to develop if you're not actually repping your team's offense on a consistent basis. So the spring is when that happens. And I will go back to what Kirby said. I think, I think in his opening press conference of for spring practice is that he challenged. He was open. He said, I challenge our offensive coaching staff to find a way to get these quarterbacks reps. It's about development. We have to develop them at some point. And if they don't get, as you said, Curtis, if they don't get the reps, how is that going to happen? This is, it's not just magic. They don't just wake up and they say, hey, I'm developed now. I'm better. No, th- this is not a fairy tale. This, that's not how this happens. It happens through hard work and it happens through reps. In spring, when you're not game planning for any specific opponent, is when that happens, right? Now, so I, I will say it's not unusual, as you were saying, for backups to get those increased reps, and even some of those reps with the ones during spring practice. That is not unusual. That in and of itself does not really open my eyes. It doesn't really catch my attention all that much. Well, you know, we are talking about this, you know, especially when you have an established guy like we do in Stetson. You talk about everything he's done last year, and they stuck with him and rode with him. The one thing I do find interesting, you know, as we talk about that exact subject is the fact that even JT was once he took over the job and going into last spring, you never once heard anything out of spring of Stetson or Carson Beck taking reps. And that's the one thing I do find crazy. Yeah, and that's exactly my point. It's not unusual for your number two, number three options to get some reps with the ones during spring practice. You know, like it's not it's, it, even with the ones, it's not unusual for their for their number of reps to go up during spring practice. It's not unusual to see them get a, a series here or there in in the spring scrimmage with the ones. That's not unusual. What's unusual is the volume of reps that they allegedly reportedly got with the ones this this past week. Because I, I mean, guys, coaches were there. Some guys that I know, they were there. And I'm telling you, they were getting significant reps with the number one offense. It wasn't just a, a couple of snaps here and there. It wasn't a series here and there. Like they were getting a lot of work with the ones and Stetson wasn't necessarily getting it. And maybe it's because like what the coach said last year, you know, Hey, we know what we have in Stetson. Let's see what we have in these guys. But it is at least the very least unusual to see your number two, especially your number three quarterback, at least your number three quarterback from last year, get that many reps in across multiple practices in the spring. I think that that is unusual. So that leads you to believe that maybe it is more open than I thought coming to spring practice. I, I'm, I, you know, you want to give lip service to it and say, you know, there's going to be a real competition at quarterback. And I said that when when Stetson announced he was coming back that I thought Kirby would do that. But the closer we got to spring practice, the more I was like, no, I just, I don't, I don't believe that's going to happen. I just don't see it happening. The way last year played, I just don't see it happening. But now, maybe, maybe Kirby's talking the talk, just putting his money where his mouth well, is and, and the competition's real. You know, the one, the one thing that stood out to me the most that we, we really haven't ever mentioned yet is Kirby in that one press conference he had, you know, towards the beginning of spring, kind of was like, yeah, Stetson's going in as our guy. And last year, especially, maybe it was because, you know, the quarterback controversy and everything, but he handled Stetson with literal kid gloves. Anytime he was questioned about Stetson in a press conference anything he handled him with kid gloves just did whatever he could to support Stetson like no matter how pissed poor Stetson played in that SEC championship game and yeah maybe the defense could have stepped it up but Stetson Bennett shat the bed and the fact was that he still sat wait, wait, there he, and never, he shat the bed win in what game against in Alabama the SEC champion yeah, yeah in the SEC yeah. championship game, he played absolutely terrible but Kirby never once like kind of was hard on him it's just all he could do was to protect him and Talk about how, you know, everyone else failed to do their job and not, you know, help him out. 
Well, th- in the press conference earlier in the spring, he made the comment like, well, Stetson actually has to cut down on the number of just bonehead plays. And he, you know, he p- pointed out that Stetson makes some, some boneheaded plays. He called, yeah, I think he called them poor decisions. About. Yeah. Yeah, poor decisions. And, you know, then that's something we've actually talked about with Stetson is like, yeah, he'll play good for most of the game, but then it comes down to when is he going to make that mistake? When's the other foot, you know, other foot going to drop? And he's going to do something that's going to absolutely screw you. We've all talked about it, but Kirby's never once addressed it. Well, that this that press conference is the first time where he addressed that Stetson's got to cut down on those on those plays. And I, and I found that very interesting. Is like it wasn't the kid gloves he's always had as, as far as it came when it came to Stetson Bennett. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And I think my response to that, but it's a great point. I think it's all about the context of like of being like in season. You know, Stetson wants to be the guy. Well, if you want to be the guy, you're gonna to have to take the hard coaching and take the the stuff that's gonna like not just from the fan base, but the coaches aren't gonna be able to coddle you at all times. And then for everyone else to, you know, we can't treat you with kid gloves all the time. Yeah, and it, I'm I'm interested to see how they handled him behind the scenes, but in public, you're absolutely 100 right. It, it was it was kid gloves, but I think that's the context of the season because. Like at that point, when the season's that advanced, you're in the SEC championship game. I mean, we all called for a change, but Kirby realistically was not going to make a change, and he knew that at that point. So he was like, look, I can't call my guy out in public. How is that, that's going to be counterproductive? How is, how is that going to help this team? I, I, can, I can criticize him you know, in private behind closed doors, and we can correct some of those mistakes and point those out, but he's not going to do it publicly. But you're right. It was a, a change in tone coming into – Really, almost really like right after the national championship game. Remember Curtis when he was, I forget, was it Reese Davis who was interviewing him and he was asking about the possibility of Stetson coming back and like how that would look. And Kirby, Kirby basically said he's going to have to earn it. You know, he didn't, not in so many words, but like that's basically what he was alluding Kirby, to. He was like, yeah, he was like, we'll welcome him back. But and when even Stetson admitted it in one of his uh, interviews, you know, they're talking about it. I think they interviewed him after one of the practices. Yeah, when he was hung over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, no, there was there was one in, in the spring, uh, you know, when the players are available. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he admitted, like, yeah, he sat down with Kirby, and Kirby said some things that were good, but he said he also gave me, like, the hard truth. The things I didn't want to hear, I think is what he said, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, oh, he, he heard, I heard good things, but I also heard things that I probably didn't want to hear. Yeah, so I think, I mean, it's, really, it was almost like immediately after the National Championship game, his his tone changed. That's why I, I think all of last season, how he handled the quarterbacks was in the context of the season. It's like, okay, JT went down, we put Stetson in, we we put him in over Beck, even though he said Beck was the number two guy early in the season, because we felt that he had some experience and confidence, and we didn't think JT's thing would be long-term, and we thought he was the best option to win us a couple games because we could lean on his experience. But then JT's out for an extended period of time. We're rolling. We're winning. Stetson, I mean, made some mistakes, but still playing well enough for us to win and doing some good things. Well, and you'd have, the, you'd have the defense you could rely on. And, right. You know, and so he, he, Kirby's looking at it as like, we're winning. If the ultimate goal is to win, we're winning with this guy right now. The other guys might have a higher ceiling, but there's also a higher risk associated with putting in back or Vandegrift, or uh, not 100% JT Daniels. So why make that move in the context of the season? But you have to imagine he also understood these other guys have higher ceilings. So when you get out of the context of the middle of that season, a national championship run, then it's all bets are off. It's a different animal because this is when the competition really can be open. You're not having to worry about game planning for a specific opponent. So that leads me to believe that, as I said, I think the competition might be more open than I anticipated coming into spring practice. It's, just, it's interesting. And Kirby, let me ask you this too. I thought this was maybe the most interesting like subtext of all this. Kirby's not only giving these guys, Vandegrift and, and Beck, 
reps with the ones, significant reps with the ones, but he's doing it with all these coaches in attendance here in Athens over the, over the weekend with the coaches clinic, where they saw the, the tail end of practice on Thursday and also on Saturday. What does that tell you that he's doing it with all these extra eyes on practice? Well, the one thing I think, though, is it may be strategic in the fact of, well, when Stetson's out of here, these are the guys your kids are going to play with, potentially also. Um, because, I mean, realistically, I talked about how bad our receiver recruiting was going to be when you're saying, well, next year you're going to wait, you're going to have Stetson Bennett as your quarterback. Well, he knows that we cannot have another down year recruiting. So he needs it to be known that we have down year at that funding. position, right? At receiver? Yeah, it was, it was a poor, very down year recruiting. receiver recruiting and I mean we bring in Brian McClendon who we hope can get it going um you know there's no guarantee because I mean if it says your quarterback is still going to be hard to sell it but if you are going to sell it you're going to have to sell it to them as well we're going to have quarterbacks that can get you the ball yeah I mean Stetson's gone after this year regardless so but but it's good you're right like hey here's the future here's the guy that will be throwing you the football yeah you're absolutely right and it also wouldn't hurt if we land Arch Manning you know that helps too you know that's uh that's that helps no matter what but the fact is like if you don't I mean even if you land Arch the fact is guys may follow him but the fact is some of these other guys may be the guys that take those first snaps that year oh for sure for sure yeah I mean Arch is not going to start as a true freshman I find that highly unlikely but I think it's very interesting that he had those guys take the, the volume of reps with the one offense that he did with all those extra eyes and attendance. What that tells well, me, I think that's a great. I think it's a great point too, though, because like you said, like Kirby always tries to not create a narrative. He's very big mm-hmm. into like yep. if he's going to make changes, not many people know about it. Well, and then yep. like he he's just he's he he doesn't like to create unnecessary controversy, and that's almost what he did, which is so anti Kirby. Yeah, if it was just tr- – like, Kirby's a smart guy, guys. Trust me, Kirby's an intelligent man. If it was just like, hey, we're just going to give these guys some token reps with the ones, he would do that in a week and with practice where you don't have 500-plus loose lips watching you practice, right? He would not do that then. What that tells me is it was not token reps. He is serious. I think it's further evidence that he is serious about there being a competition at quarterback and serious about developing these guys. Now, you also have to think about this too, Curtis. I'll throw this in there before we move on. We have not had a, a fully healthy season at quarterback in a while. You know, like we've had, we've been banged up for at least the past couple of years. You know, whether it was, I hate to bring the name of Jamie Newman, not being unhealthy, but just deciding to make the worst decision of his life. And then obviously, you know, Dwan Mathis didn't work out. And then we have Stetson. Then we play, he gets kind of banged up in the Florida game. JT takes over, does well. Then JT gets hurt. We've had all these injuries. So Kirby has seen up close and personal firsthand over the past couple of years. You've got to have multiple quarterbacks ready. I mean, multiple quarterbacks ready to win you football games. And you can't do that if you don't allow those guys to get reps with the ones. You know what I mean? Well, like, and what, something else I also want to point out, too, is that like you and I talked about it this offseason. What Kirby Smart needs more than anything is for a young guy to come in and take control of the offense and take it and not have to rely on – uh, transfer uh, or try to have stats and bail you out. You need a young guy to develop in that position and become the man and hold on to it for a year or two and create some continuity overall. And the only way you're going to do that is if you develop your young guys. Yeah, you have to. You have to. You have to develop the continuity and you, ha- and you have to be ready for any potential injury to happen because things crop up, things happen. And you cannot afford to not be ready, have an answer at that position if somebody goes down. You simply cannot afford to not be ready there. And I think, and Kirby knows, and I think that we have talented guys 
behind Stetson, but those talented guys must get reps in order to be ready if something, God forbid, does happen to Stetson if Stetson ends up continuing to hold on to this job. So I think that's another factor here. But bottom line is, I, I do think the competition is more open than I thought it was. But last question here on the quarterback scripts before we move on. If you had to handicap it today, give me a give me a percentage. What percentage chance do you think that Stetson is the starter opening week in Atlanta against Oregon? I would go 80%, and I think that more than anything is because you're not facing a cupcake to start the year, especially. Yeah. Kind of like when even when uh, Jacob Eason took the job, um, yeah. he you know saw a lot of reps in that first game and it, you know led the winning drive and made some of those plays in the end. But the fact was it was still Grayson Lambert who took the first snaps. Yeah. That's a good that's a good comparison there. Yeah, I think it's still far more likely than not that Stetson is the opening day starter. I think 80, 80 to eighty five percent is probably about right. I don't I'm not gonna close the door on the other two, but they're gonna have to flat out prove they're better beyond a shadow of a doubt. And even because th- like they don't have the experience and coach and coaches love experience. They love guys that they know they can trust. They love the the, the known factor, the known quantity. So they're gonna have to prove like beyond a shadow of a doubt, make it so obvious that you that you can't ignore it. They're going to have to do something like that. And I've heard both those guys are making serious drives and are playing very, very well. Vandegrift is really coming along and made some plays uh, on Saturday. I'll be very curious to see what happens this weekend. We have our first spring scrimmage. It's going to be very telling to kind of see where those guys are at this point. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Okay, so quarterback news was certainly the big news of last week, but there were a few other things. That we learned. Um, let's go here, Curtis. The injury bug has hit once again as early enrollee CJ Washington injured his neck or his back. It's not entirely clear, but injured something and has been declared out for the remainder of spring practice. Kurt, we were already really thin at inside linebacker. So, what impact will Washington's injury have on an already razor thin position? Um, it'll just hurt development wise. Um, you know, we've seen it before. I mean, we've had where I think it was Tay Crowder was like the running back for both teams partially one spring practice. Um, yeah. or once one G day. Um, so, but to me, it's just more than anything is going to hurt you development wise. Um, uh, did you have hopes? Anything, like, how seriously were you considering Washington as a guy to like truly contend to be in the inside linebacker rotation this season? I didn't at all. Um, if it was someone else, um, 
I'm not gonna say anyone's name because that what if they got hurt? I'd feel like absolute crap. Um, but the fact is that I uh, I wasn't expecting him because you have people like Sm- Smell, um, um, JD Ryan Davis, um, that Tresman should be in the conversation. Ryan Davis, Jason Dumont, JDJ. Yeah. Um, so I never expected him to really be the guy, um, but at the same time, we need someone. I mean, we've seen injuries happen very quickly and easily. Um, so I think more than anything, we need these young guys also when the off, when other people are injured and you can take the, and it gives you an opportunity to get the reps and the experience, you need to be able to take full advantage of it. So I think it's going to hurt him and it's going to hurt us just not having that ex, uh, experience behind some of our guys in case we do get, have injuries. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the, the fact that, that position is so thin First off, it puts a lot more burden on the other players. We just don't have the bodies there. And those guys, I mean, you, you're excited for them to get reps, but you're also, they need to get, you know, they have to have a break. You don't want to run them into the ground either. But, I mean, when somebody goes down like that, it's somebody else has an opportunity. So you got to, I mean, we, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion right now that Pop Johns, Pop Dumas Johnson is going to be a starter for us that position. I, I think that's pretty safe to say at this point. I feel pretty confident there. Um, J- Jalen Walker is going to get an increase in his reps right now. And well, I think see, that's, that's, someone who's development. that's someone who's really going to benefit because I think of all the other young guys, he's the one that could get on the field the quickest. Yeah. He's going to get a ton more reps now. And I, I, I think, I mean, I love CJ Washington and from what I was told, CJ has been looking really good and he's put himself more in the conversation to be in the rotation potentially than I thought he would coming in as an early enrollee in spring practice, but he's been making strides and, and doing a really good job. So I hate it for him. And he's a great kid, a great dude from everything that I've heard. So I, I, I truly hate it for him. And I hope he bounces back. No problems for fall camp, but um, yeah, I, I, obviously it sets back his development there, but I do think it opens up more opportunities. And now I think it's maybe more likely to see a guy like Jalen Walker with those reps, and those opportunities, to find a way to slide into the rotation in some way. I mean, maybe not as a starter. I'm not ready to say that, but I think he can maybe slide his way into the rotation and Tresman gets more opportunities. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not it's certainly not something you want to hear. Spring practice, honestly, man, when I wake up every morning, what I do is the first thing I do, I wake up, I grab my phone, and I instantly, like, I search through all the sites, right? I go to all the social media sites. I go to all the message boards, and I'm looking for news, man. I'm scouring the pages, looking for news. Oh, my God, please tell me no one got hurt. And every morning, it's like, whoo, it's, it's hurt slash arrested. That's what I do. It's like, oh, my God. Okay. Yeah, good, say, yeah, I remember all the days just waking up on Sunday after a game, hoping yep. no one got arrested. You know, downtown Athens didn't claim yep. another person. Yep, yep. So, like, that's kind of where I am. And I so I hate when anyone gets hurt. It sucks. But um, it, it's just part of football. It's a contact sport and it is what it is. But, you know, I, I do think it's going to open up some opportunities from, for some other guys, and we'll just see who takes advantage of that. But certainly – Hopefully, CJ gets back fully healthy sooner rather than later. Uh, next thing here, Curtis, I, I'm curious to get your take on this. We talked about Warren Erickson last week and the fact that like we weren't exactly sure he was coming back, but he is indeed back. And we were talking about how that might throw a wrench into our hopes and dreams of having a uh, a more more of a fit at guard. You know, a guy that's bigger, strong, get more moving, get more push than Warren Erickson gave us last year. So we were concerned, you know, it's kind of like Stetson. You know, this returning starter, we know he's got a, a, a ceiling and a limit to his ability from an athleticism standpoint. And it's a physical ability standpoint, but he's got the experience. And we know coaches love guys that they can trust. But you also have this new offensive line coach, Stacey Searles, coming in. And it's like, okay, well, maybe it's a new set of eyes. Maybe he's got to earn that job all over again. 
And uh, coming out of out of the weekend, I was told again by a couple of guys that I know, and there are also some reports out there that Devin Willick was getting some reps, some reps of the ones ahead of Warren Erickson at guard. But just like quarterback Curtis, the question becomes: Is this just you know trying to get guys opportunities and just you know, trying to develop these guys like you would in spring practice? Or is it like, a, is he really seriously making a move in spring practice? It's always difficult to tell. Now, if, if that's happening in fall camp, that's a sign. That, oh, this guy is like pushing to start. But in spring practice, it's it's not as certain. But you just ask you, man, how much jeopardy is Warren Erickson's job in at guard right now? I think it's in huge jeopardy. You know, the biggest thing was when Tate Rattledge went out, we were already, the season had already started. Um, so that was a huge thing. And then, all these guys that have the ability to replace him were just really young and weren't really in a position yet where we trusted them past pro and certain things to do what we needed them to do. But that's not the case anymore. We have these guys who are ready to go um, and they're able to put it all together for maybe a longer period of time, which can get them ready to go. So I think if, especially of all the older guys that came back, Warren Erickson is definitely the one in the biggest position to be replaced. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty clear in terms of the returning stars with Van Pran, War McClendon at right at right tackle, and Erickson, the returning starters. And I, I mean, I can't throw Broderick in there as a returning starter. You know, he, he started by default with some injuries, but wasn't really a starter for us. But I think clearly Erickson is the guy whose position is most up for grabs. He's most vulnerable to being replaced. It's interesting that's Willick. Are you interested? Are you like surprised that Devin Willick is the name that was getting some of those reps? No, I thought I talked about him when we were talking about the people that can make a move. I, now, I may have mentioned someone else, but I'd heard things about him in practice, um, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I'd Going heard back to last come, fall, like he was, I, you would hear some, yeah. some, some a buzz come out of, at a, at a, really just practice in general. During the season, this guy would, on the scout team was, was making some waves. Yeah, that was someone who I'd heard good things about. So I may be mistaken. Maybe I thought I did, but I definitely had had heard that there, you know, there was good rumblings from him. And so it doesn't shock me, especially with Tate Ratledge out. And I mean, let's be honest, I don't, I'm not trying to be mean here, but of all the guys we've recruited, most of them, especially that can play guard, are all better options than what we have with Warren Erickson. At least in terms of their fit for the position. Well, I mean, even at center, Warren Erickson, if he doesn't get hurt, was still not our best option at center. I'm sorry, but Van Pran, as we saw, was the better center. I mean, it, it certainly played out that way. I mean, that, that's the way it played out for sure. And I, and I mean, from an athleticism standpoint, we knew that coming into last year. With Erickson, it was just the fact that he's more experienced. He's been around longer. Well, I mean, we talked trust. about one of, his, one of his biggest knocks was, you know, he can't get push. Well, if he's having to snap the ball, he sure as heck not going to get any more push from there than he were if he gets to just fire off right away. So how would yeah, they look, I mean, him to have more push? You're exactly right. I, 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 I'm not going to sit here and defend Erickson and say he's the answer at guard because I'm on the record multiple times saying he's not. Um, I think Warren Erickson is a competent player at guard. I think he's more than serviceable. But as you said, is he the best option? I have a hard time believing that, man. I mean, you know I mean? to me, he's like, he's like what we, he should, his role should be the sixth man. Like, that's what he's best yes. suited for. He's not best suited to be your starter. He's best yes, suited totally to bail agree. you out if someone gets hurt. Totally, totally agree there. And we talked all last year, as you, you've mentioned here, the big issue is just the push, right? He's just not big enough and strong enough right now to be an interior guard, uh, interior player on the offensive line in the SEC. He's just not. He's just not. We got by with it last year. Great. But that's 
you know, I, I don't want to have to live that again. And we have options that are bigger and stronger. Will the guys is 6'7", 335, and he moves well. So like you said, Chris, I'm not surprised that we were hearing things about him last year, but I'm I'm more so kind of excited to hear that. And I I don't I know it seems like we're bashing Warren Erickson. I'm I'm not trying to make this personal no, at all. I mean, I'm sometimes trying to be sometimes, objective. I mean, the brutal it's a brutal truth. I mean, we're not saying anything that's wrong. It's the thing. It's not like we're sitting here making stuff up. We're just unfortunately stating the obvious, which I feel like most Georgia fans, if you're competent and understand football, you have to see that there are deficiencies there. And again, and I think the part of the problem of last year was again the guys behind him, our coaches, just they. I think, I hope, understood they were more talented. Coaches, the coaches know more than us. I, I mean, yes, absolutely. But the problem was they just didn't feel like they were ready from a, whether it's a technique standpoint, a knowledge standpoint, knowing the calls, all those kind of things. And I think when you get in the spring, it's kind of like quarterbacks. Like, well, we know we have these more talented options and better fits at that position that could make us better if they're ready. We got to get them ready. And when they get ready, then watch out. And I think that's kind of what's happening here with Willick. And you mentioned Tate Rattledge earlier, Curtis. He's out. You know, he's still nursing the injury. still coming back from that. He's out for the spring. Hopefully he'll be back for fall camp. But he's not even in the equation right now. So you throw him in there with Willick getting these kind of reps and Xavier Trust, and all of a sudden it's like, where does where does Erickson fit in? You know? I mean, and it's, it's, it's crazy, though. It's just you imagine a guy who comes back for an extra year like that, like – you think, like, why would you come back if you're not assured of that job? Maybe he's just like, hey, I was a guy all last year. I'm sure he believes in himself. All these guys do. But, man, it would it would truly suck for him, dude. Well, I mean, I mean I, but let's be honest, would hurt though, him it, if, he, if he got beat out. It would. It would hurt for him. It would hurt maybe just because, I mean, he is a Gwinnett guy. You know, we have our Gwinnett ties, so you do yeah. cheer for them in that aspect. But at the same time, like, maybe the hard truth may be good for him to maybe go somewhere where he can be the guy unquestioned guy for his final year, maybe try to make a move. Cause realistically, let's be honest. The guy came back because he probably got a draft grade of who are you? So are you suggesting um, he might be point, like a, a potential transfer option after spring practice? If he, if, if what's more important for him is trying to play football in the future, then potentially. Yes. If Do you he think wants he really to play the next level NFL future. I mean, let's be honest. I think any kid that plays college football does. I mean, yeah, I didn't they, know they all have that belief. I, they do. Lunch, that belief. I was having lunch with someone. I didn't know Bolden from Alabama turned pro. Yeah, I I heard that right after the season. I thought that was baffling. It's like what? Yeah, because like I, we didn't even we didn't even know about him till injuries. And so like I mean that's the thing. All these kids are told their whole life, especially when they're told they're on the D one route. Like I'm gonna play pro football. So most of them are gonna exhaust every option they have to try to play pro football. I mean, you have Prather Hudson go to a pro day. So, I mean, the fact is, like, they're going to try every avenue they can to go pro because they didn't work as hard as they have for this long to get this far not to. So, if he wants to at least try to exhaust every a- avenue, then maybe playing yeah. at the University of Georgia where we've recruited so heavily isn't the best option. I don't blame them. For, I'm like, I'm not trying to blame a guy for having this aspiration being in the NFL, even if I don't mind, I think it's all that realistic. It's great to have dreams. Shoot for it, man. Shoot for the stars. Go for it. But – you might have to do that somewhere else, you know. I, I, and so it's interesting, guys. He's been a he's been a, li- a lifer for Georgia, basically. But if he's, you know, if they're already eating into his reps right now, I wonder how he views that after spring practice. I don't know. It's interesting, man. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's certainly something to watch as we get to the scrimmages over the next couple of weeks and we get to G Day. Who's getting reps where, and how many reps are they getting? You know, how many how many reps are they eating into Erickson's reps at, with the number ones at guard? I think that'll be a telltale yeah. sign for us and for him too. So I'm curious, man. Certainly watching that closely. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, Curtis, one of the last things we got here, there's not a ton of news coming out this week. I mean, there's the big news, obviously, with the quarterback stuff, but uh, we will have our first spring practice scrimmage this Saturday. We'll have two leading into G-Day. We have our first one coming up this weekend, and that's usually when you get a lot of information because you're seeing who's getting reps where, how many reps are getting, how they're performing. There's usually a lot of information coming out of that, and I'll try to tap some sources and see what I can find over the weekend. And we'll have that for you guys next week. So we should have more to talk about next week. But week two, outside the quarterback, there wasn't a ton here. But we did have some coaches that were on campus for the coaching clinic this past weekend. And so I asked some of those coaches, some of the guys that I know, about newcomers. I was like, all right, so these early enrollees, I'm curious, man. Like, we haven't seen any of these guys in college. You got eyes on them. So who flashed? Anyone flashed and out to you? And I was uh, I was told one name in particular that I kept hearing over and over again, and that is tight end Oscar Delp. Curtis, it's a packed tight end room, man. It's a packed tight end room. Well, when they're all healthy. Maybe not right now. When everybody's healthy, it is a stacked tight end room. When you talk about Brock Bowers, Darnell Washington, Arik Gilbert, you still got Seether. We still got Godey on the team right now. But when you look at a guy like Oscar Delp, a borderline, essentially top 100 prospect nationally, at the tight end position, which usually is not ranked that highly, they, they, prioritize certain positions over others, a highly talented guy. How much impact, though, Curtis, with all the guys that we have coming back at that position, how much impact can we reasonably expect Oscar Delp to make as a true freshman tight end? You know, realistically, I may have, if you asked me at this point last year, I'd say it'd be hard to imagine at all. But after Brock Bowers, I can't sit there and say that. And, you know, I I, I believe I went on record saying that the one person who was going to, actually be hurt by the fact of spring practice is Darnell Washington because I said mm-hmm. you're going to watch out for Oscar mm-hmm. Delp and that's exactly what's happening 100% well Oscar Delp and Eric Gilbert now like, we didn't know coming to spring practice yeah. that Gilbert was going to be getting well, those reps in especially Reek is a huge one too another thing you have to watch for but the fact is I, I had called I thought that Delp was going to make some noise uh, yeah, I mean, I told you guys when we signed him, I'm not sitting here going to say he's going to be Brock Bowers in year one, but in terms of athletic ability and what he can do on the field at that position, he's very Brock Bowers-esque in his athleticism, his ability to flex out, catch the ball, block in line, do all those things. In fact, I think, and I've said this before, I think you make the argument, as athletic as Brock was coming out of high school, and this dude played running back at times for his high school team in, in Napa. He was fantastic, great athlete. And that's why I told you guys last year, that I felt of all the guys we signed last year, he was going to make the biggest impact for us as a freshman. And that played out. I just saw the athleticism. I see this, if not the same, very similar, and, and maybe even in some regards, more athleticism from Oscar Delp and maybe a, a, a slightly taller, longer frame. So from an athletic standpoint, it would not shock me for him to make some, some noise. And I expect him to. I think he's that talented. The problem is, though, Curtis, you mentioned that, that, well, what I saw from Rob Bowers tells me Oscar Delp can make the kind of impact this year, but 
uh, but Brock Bowers is still on the team. You know, he is going to get the lion's share of those looks. So how many opportunities can you expect Oscar Dub to get, you know? I think he'll get a lot. I mean, Fitzpatrick got a lot of, we, you know, we went 12 personnel a lot. Um, 12 and 13 personnel. Exactly. And if you're in a position where Darnell can't stay healthy and Fitzpatrick's gone, and if Gilbert does make the move back to wide receiver, like they're saying he will, if he can get his weight down, well, then it sets up perfect, perfectly for Dell because Godey has never stayed healthy. Um, none of those other guys have really done enough to ever sit here and say that I think that they could overtake Oscar Dell. I, it's not the question, man. It's just when there's so many guys, you're right. I think they're all going to play because we saw last year when the guy like Fitzpatrick, who was a good player, but let's be real, he's not Oscar Delp and he's he's not Eric Gilbert. But with all those guys, like they're going to get reps, but are they, how many looks are they going to get? I'll say this. I think Oscar Delp's going to play. I think Oscar Delp's going to play a lot. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. I think that's very fair to say. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to put a number right now. And so I see more, you know, through the spring drills and or through spring scrimmages and, and G Day. I'm not gonna put a number on like receptions and receiving yards and touchdowns and all that, but I think the dude's gonna play a lot. I think because we you know, well, especially considering said, like you go 12 personnel with him and even Gilbert. The fact is, like, we don't have there's not many guys that have that skill set also that those guys themselves have. And Darnell keeps staying hurt too, you know. So it's like he might not be 100 healthy. So then who's gonna who's the next guy up? Oscar Dell, you know. So there's gonna be that too. Let me ask you this: bring as I bring up Darnell Washington, talk about Warren Erickson potentially being a transfer, a guy looking at a potential transfer if things keep trending how they are after spring. And I'm not, I certainly have no inside information on that, guys. That's just pure speculation. But let's throw some more pure speculation out there. We'd heard some rumors, um, not even rumors. I've, I'd heard from pretty reputable people that I trust around the program that. You know, maybe saying we had to convince Darnell to come back after the season. Maybe that's a little too strong of language to use, but we certainly had conversations about, you know, him trying to enter the portal or, you know, whatever and him coming back. And ultimately, he's still on the team right now, but he's hurt. He cannot practice right now. And if you see Eric Gilbert and Oscar Delt making moves at tight end, he knows what we have in Brock Bowers. If those guys really start to flash and, and, really impressed during spring practice, during the scrimmages, during G-Day, make names for themselves with this team, does that potentially lead Darnell Washington to re-examine his status on the team? Oh, I think 100%. I, and when I saw him go down, I right away, I think I texted you. I was like, it's not going to shock me for him to leave because yep. now he had – this was his chance with Brock Bowers out. When we saw Brock was going to miss it, I said this is – Washington's it's chance a chance for Darnell, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a chance for Darnell to solidify himself when Brock was going to miss the spring. He was going to get all those reps. He was going to get all those targets. It was a chance for him to showcase everything. Well, there it goes. And now you're giving the other guys who are actually more athletic than you. Yes, he's got the freak size of he can, he's pretty fast for how big he is, but he's still not. He was not Brock Bowers and he's not Oscar Delp, and it gives them chances to showcase. Their he's not a Reed Gilbert. He's, also not, gives, he's not that kind of guy. And it, yeah, and it gives them Delp and people like that chances to work on their blocking, which could, you know, right now that's the only thing Washington has in his favor. Is he's a he's bigger, so he may be a better blocker, but he's doing nothing to separate himself, which would not shock me for him to be gone. Just because the fact is, he's given everyone else shots to showcase yeah. themselves and take advantage of it. Kind of like we were talking about at the inside linebacker position. You know, we don't outside of behind Brock Bowers, it, it was wide open. 
And, and a lot of it does have to do with injuries. We have to mention that too. You know, he was he was hurt during fall camp last year. I don't think he was ever fully healthy last year, and that's really well, hampered it, him. But that's part that's part of football, though. It if is. You it is. Stay healthy, you're going to get passed up. I mean, look at JT Daniels. If he doesn't get hurt, he probably stays the quarterback for the whole year. Injuries are part of football, and that's also why sometimes taking care of your body. I mean, I know you can't prevent yourself from never being hurt, but taking care of your body, and that's why you see athletes spend millions of dollars doing it because. Staying healthy is and being on the court or being on the field. It's the biggest part of increasing your value. Your the greatest ability is availability. You know that old cliche. It's very true. And bigger guys yeah. like Darnell who run around like that. It's just as big when you're that big and you run around as much as he does. You just put more stress on your body on your lower extremities. And you see it in basketball these big centers all the time because they're they're not built to move and run around that much in that kind of frame with that much weight and it's just it's think of greg think of greg odin that guy was drafted before kevin durant and he was he was thought to be a generational player with all he had to offer but he couldn't stay healthy absolutely great point so i love darnell um i i think you're right though his greatest asset for us is as a blocker and he sees himself as like a brought bowers type guy and look he can make plays the passing we've seen him do he's a mismatch he's a different kind of mismatch in terms of his size not so much his athleticism I mean, for, the athleticism for the size certainly but he he's not a brought bowers guy he that, and he's just not going to do the things that Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert and Oscar Dub can do. It doesn't mean he can't be a threat in the passing game. He can, just not that kind of threat to that degree. But he thinks he can. He he has a young daughter. He wants to make a living for himself in the NFL. He wants to be a first-round, second-round draft pick. And I think with Brock and some of these other guys that tied in who are better receiving options than him, I think we're going to continue to use him in his in the way that we maximize his abilities as a, as a blocker. And he doesn't want to exclusively be that. He wants to – I mean, the guy's never caught more than 10 passes. In, I don't think he's – has he caught ten passes total in his career? I mean, I have to look up the I numbers here. I don't. I, I, I really. I, I don't think he has. I think it's under ten passes that he's caught in his entire career. And he wants to be a Brock Bowers type guy. He sees Bowers do those things. He's like, "That's me. I can do that. I want to do those things." And if we still have Bowers, you know, now you add Gilbert and Delp, he might look at it and say, "Those opportunities aren't here for me. I gotta go elsewhere." I mean, I'm from the West Coast anyway, so I don't know, man. I'm. Cons- I would. I want to keep Darnell. Trust me, I do. He's a valuable player for us. But I just I am I am concerned. As, as excited as I am about Arik Gilbert and him making some news and Oscar Delp making waves, it also concerns me about the long term future of Darnell Washington in the red and black. I gotta be honest, though, man. Gotta be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I think and I completely agree with it. Or I mean, uh, understand and think that I think it's a very fair worry. Yeah, and I I wish it wasn't something that we had to worry about a guy that talented potentially going elsewhere, but. It's the age of the transfer portal, and it's a constant worry with some of the top players on your roster. And you know there's some tampering going on behind the scenes. You know it happens. So, I don't know, man. We'll see how that plays out. I, I, I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm I'm preparing myself for that potentiality. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. Like I said a few minutes ago, I know there wasn't a ton of news coming out of week two of spring practice, really outside of the news that we had number two, number three quarterback getting significant reps with the ones which is honestly that's pretty big news in and of itself we could probably do an entire show just on that but we will have more news for you guys next week we have our first scrimmage of the spring this saturday there's always a ton of information coming out of that i'll try to pump some sources and we'll have a lot to talk about next week so make sure to check back in for that we'll also be running another mailbag episode early next week as well so if you have any questions about spring practice basketball baseball tennis whatever it might be whatever is on your mind 
Feel free at any point to hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. You can also email us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at gloryugapodcast. So a lot of options there. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about, and we will make that happen over the course of the next couple of weeks and months of the offseason. So thank you for listening, guys. We always appreciate that. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. Have an incredible weekend, and as always, go dogs.